Welcome to this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week we are lucky to have Adam Casey back on the show. Um, if you missed Adam's the beginning of Adam's story, you can check that out on episode 30 of this podcast. Uh, and I, I said in the intro there, and I'll say it again. Dude's fascinating. He's lived a lot of different facets of life and a uh, very smart, wise man, um, probably formed through some of his life experiences, which we'll get into here today. And usually, like a Bigfoot podcast, you know, we're kind of promoting the idea of like having a goal, setting a goal, um, working your butt off and putting in the hard work to accomplish that goal. Uh, and this week, this week's about the moments where life throws you a curveball or, you know, th- puts up some adversity in your path. And it's really about how how do you respond when you're faced with those life-changing moments and the giant, almost seemingly insurmountable obstacles that sometimes life throws our way. So how, how are you going to respond in those moments? That's key, man. That's key. Is it going to completely derail you? Or are you going to use those those moments, which sometimes are completely horrible and you wouldn't wish them on anybody in the whole world? But are you going to use those moments to propel you forward? Or, you know, learn from them and use them to guide you down a path that maybe you didn't foresee you going down sometime previously. So yeah, man, fascinating story, fascinating dude. We also talk about this book that I'm in the middle of right now, and hopefully I finish over the next week. Um, it's called The Tao of Pooh, <laughs> which is a great name, especially if you don't know that it's referring to Winnie the Pooh, P-O-O-H. Um, so a lot of those concepts have kind of morphed Adam's life. So definitely check that book out. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit in the episode you're about to listen to, uh, for the rest of our episodes, you can find us, you know, wherever you find podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. But one thing that really helps us out is if you go on iTunes and, uh, subscribe and leave us a little review. So yeah, that kind of just helps us out and, and makes it kind of more widely accessible or widely seen, I guess. Um, and, you know, the goal ultimately is just to help you guys, you know, find find your true calling in life and chase it and go after it and find all the joy in the journey. And yeah, man, so it helps us out if more people, more people jump up and step up to that goal. All right. Uh, you also can find us at our website, likeabigfoot.com or on pretty much all the social media stuff, like a Bigfoot. Uh, this week I will be in Canada with my dad fishing. And so I will be putting a lot of stuff on Instagram. I'm sure in the moments I actually get service because we're like straight up in the middle of the wilderness, <laughs> in the middle of the North woods of Ontario. So, so yeah, uh, you can find us there and, and all that fun stuff. All right, let's get into it. Like a Bigfoot 
episode 43 with Adam Casey. All right, welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. This is going to be the intro this week to save some work. So I'm here with Adam Casey. And if you missed the first podcast with him, I believe it was episode 30. um, And it was all about his time in Bud's training and kind of where we left off in his story. And anyways, we're sitting outside. This is the first outside podcast. The sun just went away (laughs) in a perfect moment of cloud cover we're gonna get rained on probably oh, uh no. yeah man so i figured like outside podcast outside let's do it sit outside yeah you know we're testing and this time man i just want to brag about it. like podcast things yeah. i have two mics oh. it's so fancy two mics i wish i i should have some headphones myself you so. should. Oh, dang it man i'm sorry ah. <laughs> next time yeah next next time. one or for future reference next time but yeah man so we just went for a run and we covered like every topic imaginable so it's going to be interesting to see where this one goes um i guess we can start with you revealed what your favorite book is <laughs> which is a great book you said the book you've read like once every six months. oh no that's the towel poo <laughs> it's not your favorite book. yeah then. no that took me that took me to say i thought <laughs> i thought you were talking in reference to the last podcast no that Yes, we're so we're talking about the the towel poo. P O O H. Yeah, not poop. <laughs> like Winnie the Pooh, because I think there's the there's also the Taya Piglet. Um, that is a that you're right. That is definitely is one of my favorite books, and it's one I read every six months or so to uh, basically reimmerse myself in its teachings. But it's got such a great message that translates to I think so many walks of life, and in that book and in, in, in that story that I was talking to you earlier about, you know, before we started this, uh, the part of the reason why I consider myself not so much an emotionally reactive individual is yes, for, you know, military training and just experiences you have in life that make you kind of say, okay, that was the wrong way to react next time I won't. But that book taught me, the nest the need to just keep calm and how you're better off not reacting with your human emotions but with like your your heart's emotions and you know if you trust your heart and you trust your mind those reactions are usually a lot better than the anger filled ones that naturally arise when someone spits on you when you're running on the trail <laughs> <laughs> kind of a clue yeah. of what the story was <laughs> yeah. before it <laughs> yeah so the, the, I could say I could I could I could I don't know who the author is but I could probably say that that book probably kept me out of prison <laughs> because yeah there's the teachings from that book and the follow-on messages that that book has given me throughout my life has what stopped me from smashing a dude's face in after he spit on me yeah man so what what are some of the teachings because i i was talking to you it's kind of like the idea of responding versus just reacting like yeah. don't go by your basic instincts and your reactions but yeah. like taking just like not even a second but in a in a moment that's like stressful or intense yeah taking just like half a second to just consider <laughs> it's is the book and i think the message 
overall forces you just to accept reality. And there's so many uh, analogies, you know, like stories about Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and Tigger and all the characters in that the Sherwood Forest, I think, and uh, that basically the author uses as representations of different parts of the belief system. And one of them, like we said earlier, be the uncarved block. So don't be so uh, defined as a person that when you need to reinvent yourself in life, you can't do it because the block has just been carved. Like you can't, you know, Humpty Dumpty can't be put back together again and you can't go down this different path in life. And, you know, my story has so many different paths because I have made myself as close to an uncarved block as I possibly could. There's other ones basically about... Uh, you don't know what you don't know. And that one, I think it uses the wisdom of the owl and rabbit as like uh, the, the message that, you know, humility and, and accepting that you're never going to know everything in the world. And it's only when you accept the reality that there's a majority of things in this life that you don't know about will you actually ever be able to learn. Because until then, you're just this person who is assuming an ignorant knowledge about a subject that you don't know about simply to impress another person in a conversation you know if you don't know the band or you don't know the book just say you don't know it believe it or not it's okay there's millions of books out there you don't need to know every single one or every single show on netflix that someone is talking about to have a conversation (laughs) about it (laughs) i do that with sports sometimes i'm not gonna lie like if i'm at work and they're like did you see the the Redskins games this weekend, and maybe I saw like the score on the bottom screen. I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. Uh, RG three uh, didn't do too good. Uh- <laughs> there's there's definite moments where you just do it to be cordial. That's and, true. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> but when you're when you're trying to have something beyond just a cursory conversation with an acquaintance, you're better off just admitting your your how fallible you are, and that you're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about like so i i when i moved out here just before i moved out here i was an intern on capitol hill uh for a congresswoman in st louis uh from st louis um my district in st louis and so there was this staffer who came on board right when i was leaving and this staffer was incredibly well educated like her resume just spewed knowledge uh and you know just the things that she, the scholarly articles that she had written you know I, I needed a dictionary and a thesaurus to kind of break down myself and so but what I found most remarkable about her and, and many people like her in my life but she's just the most recent example and she was probably our age um and she I, I you could over every time the staffer would have a meeting with somebody uh, you know, whoever, whatever organization, the office was small enough, you could hear it. Like you could hear their conversations. And so people would be coming in advocating for whatever cause that she worked on for the Congresswoman. And this, this woman, she, she was a Harvard educated, you know, whatever Ivy league grad school, you know, whatever think tank, you know, she came from, I could hear her in these conversations with, you know, lobbyists or ad people, advocacy groups. And they would be talking about, something a really complex subject matter 
and she would just openly say like I don't know what that is. That's impressive. Yeah, and and you know and and you know how you try and woo somebody in a conversation with the, the breadth of your knowledge yeah. by using these really technical terms. I would hear this woman basically. I, I don't know that man. You've listened to the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's such a good indicator of somebody who knows what they know, or who who knows a subject m- matter or material so well that they can explain it in terms to like a third grader you know yeah. it's, there's there's a reason why there's a really popular subreddit thread explain like i'm a fifth grader yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah and that's what really knowledgeable people can do and that's what this this woman she was basically demanding others to do by by just saying like it's i don't care like i don't need your validation no i don't know what that either law was or what that you know, if it was something biomedical, like what that is, just because I have a degree from Harvard doesn't mean I have a degree in Harvard in every subject. Yeah. I just know my area really well. Yeah. And so that's what, uh, you know, Taoism, I think, really stresses. Uh, and, it, and you can maybe maybe make it a correlation of being the uncarved block is just admitting that humility. And that's what Owl and, the, and Rabbit don't do in those stories and that's what the trouble they get into yeah um there's another one well speaking of that real quick i for i read i heard about this study <laughs> and this is one of those i anytime i say i heard about this study i don't know any of the details right. but i know the <laughs> overarching idea yeah yeah and um basically they read a very simplistic story about Susie going to the beach or mm-hmm. something and they gave all these details like she was in a red car you know she was eating ice cream yeah things like that and it's just like two paragraphs long and then afterwards they asked the people who listened to the story just some basic questions like five basic questions but they throw in one impossible question that you wouldn't have it wasn't in the story yeah. and it's like what music were they listening to on the radio and you didn't say that in the story and they found that so many people and i don't know what the percentage was but a high percentage just refused to say I don't know. Yeah. They would make up, they would fill it in with some made up fact. And so whenever I start teaching, cause I teach science. And so one of my first lessons, um, either the second or third day is I'll do that with my students. And just, it's so interesting how many won't say, I don't know. They'll yeah. just make something up. And so that's kind of like the first lesson of science is you have to be willing to admit that you don't know. So you understand where you're where the spaces that you're going to try to fill in Mm -hmm. i guess well i think in just in general the scientific field you're the reason it it exists is because there's knowledge out there that you don't know yeah (laughs) if we knew it the field would be replaceable and the reason why scientists true scientists can devote their entire careers to a specific path is because there's one unanswerable question that they deem worthy enough that their life their however long they're on this earth is supposed that's the purpose of their life is to answer that one question is and they have that humility and you know that sense of egolessness to say like i don't know it but yeah. i'm gonna but i'm sure as hell gonna find out that's the, that's the <laughs> sentence well, yeah. without the sure as hell <laughs> but that's the sentence i try to get the middle schoolers to say like yeah. i don't know but I'm going to figure it out. And then I explain like science is essentially the process. However you figure it out, whatever methods you're using, if you're doing an experiment or research, but science is that process to figure out mm-hmm. that question. 
Yeah, it's you know, there's a disease of fake it till you make it mentalities, <laughs> yeah. and it, and it's what it is. It's such an infectious disease. Like we're not going to be. That's the the next the the epidemic that brings down American human the the human race isn't going to be this like SARS or HN1 or you know Ebola or, you know it very well could be I don't know well, I hope but not. but <laughs> as uh, you know as, as the mysticism of of humility and ego and and thinking that you need to belong in the crowd by being on the same level as everyone else and and just faking it as if you do as if you should belong there that that is what is the downfall of you know potentially could be the downfall of the human race because you've got you can I, I could romanticize this daydream of everybody everybody in this room who you know about to launch the nuclear bomb and everyone is in their own right their specialty of why they should be launching the nuclear bomb but yeah. they really don't know they just faked their way there and so like all of, else is yeah safe. it's the worst yeah, yeah exactly time. everyone else is so confident in, in their reasoning that we should launch this bomb but like, yeah nobody is actually confident they yeah no nope. outwardly oh my god dude that's terrifying <laughs> no one no one's no one's confident enough to say no and yeah. that like that's not right yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's why that book has been so important to me. And I've, and I, I think on the, uh, the Tim Ferriss's podcast, the four hour work week podcast or something, I think that's one of the questions he asks some of his guests is, you know, what's the book that, yeah, not, not your favorite book, but they what's give the give out the most or exactly. something, or something. And, um, I've, I've never kept a tally, but there, that book is, is pretty much, high up on the number the 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 list of books that i recommend to people you know for whatever reason to be honest because yeah. it's not even like oh do you need a fun read or do you mean you need something meaningful or you want this you know business idea i try to get a balance of those i try to be in the middle of like a fun read uh like a business one maybe and i don't i'm not even in business but like business <laughs> philosophy is really fascinating to mm -hmm. me but you know just having that balance of you know, if I'm going to bed and I'm about to fall asleep, I don't want to be thinking about, you know, deep thinking business philosophies. What? Or that's something. what puts me to sleep. No, well, good point, man. You know, it's like golf. Yeah, yeah. you just watch it to fall yeah. asleep. Uh, uh, but do you think like, so I'm thinking people just get stuck in their routines. And I yeah. do this too. I mean, I'm sure you do it too, to yeah. a certain degree. But you get stuck in your routines. You're stuck with what you're comfortable with. I mean you don't try a new activity yeah. and, and so you don't feel comfortable just saying, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like if you tried, I don't know, like ballroom dance, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you tried ballroom dance yeah. and you get there day one, you just would feel so uncomfortable cause you would suck at it so bad, Yeah, you know? And, and it would just be something that you wouldn't necessarily find fun, but I feel like, as you learn more it's like very rewarding yeah and eventually yeah getting that reward becomes fun yeah yes now let me open up a few browser windows with this story um and i'll i'll close the tabs down as i <laughs> progress through you're it. definitely a computer science guy <laughs> uh yeah. i was about to say something stupid really stupid nerdy. <laughs> um but so one identifying characteristic that I think that I have that has made me the person that is 
worthy of giving this podcast interview. And again, thank you for having me back on, Dude, by the way. I mean, come uh, on. Should have said that. Yeah, talk about humility. And eat. <laughs> Maybe I need to read that book again. No, uh, but so You're always welcome. Um, the, one, the, the one characteristic that I, that I do take a lot of pride in is my ability to be that uncarved block and, and to do so in such a way that I'm, I'm not afraid of starting over. I've started over, you know, I, I turned 31 recently, and I've started over it feels like half a dozen times in between 18 to 31 as as an adult um about who I was who I thought I was supposed to be as a, as a, you know, as a man and with each time that I've started over I've had to have been in that position where you just don't know yeah. and I've had to admit that humility um you know case in point moving out here and really taking running seriously I I've been in positions where I've had to, you know, I've had to ask experienced runners, like, you know, how many pairs of socks do you wear when you do these runs? Like, or, you know, like, you know, how many, you know, what's, what's the right amount of, you know, electrolyte imbalance, you know, like some things that are, that maybe are a little bit above an amateur level, but others is, you know, you know, I'm, you know, how do I tie my shoes? Like, is there a different way to tie my shoes? Is do I, there? Do I do I bunny? I have, do I, I make no the idea. loops and do the money now, <laughs> or like do I double tie it? Like you know, those. Do I wear those twisty shoes? Yeah, and just connect yeah. together. Like, <laughs> like wait, why are you why are you wearing covers over your shoes? Oh, to keep dirt out. Oh, it's called gaiters. Oh, okay, cool. Now I got like just stuff like that. But there's no way a different way to tie a shoe. No, there are different ways. There's a really there are no different way. Ways. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, there's different ways to make it so that it doesn't your shoelaces don't come untied, and there's different ways to like heel lock your All shoes right. in. Yeah, so just so so many so many facets of my life have forced me to start over, and have forced me into the into a starting position of okay, I can either act like I know what's going on and really hope that takes me far enough, and hope that at some point I pick up the knowledge, you know, in the material. Uh, you know, like you know, put in the hours after hours and get, and bring myself up to speed, or I can just be authentic and tell you from the get go, I don't know what's going on, and we can start from a very honest position and move forward from there. And everything that we gain from that position from there will be, you know, will be something that's deserved, and we won't have to worry about like you know co- covering my tracks in in some yeah. sense. So the uh. Yeah, the, the adaptability and the uncar block, um, and and being able to just constantly be a new person, uh, and c- forever continually be a new person. Um, so, but my question is, I guess, do you have like a in the uncarved block? You have like a cornerstone of like, okay, this yeah. is my morals. So this is like kind of my personality or yeah so that so yeah this was the browser window i meant to open or meant to open and actually go through so the reason why i am so confident in my ability to start over was stems from the one choice that i made the one risk that i took which is really the ultimate foundation of my story overall um it's the her and i do it for her you know my charity and the girl that you know i talk about in my my tedx talk and and everything um it was that willingness that willingness to take that risk and humble myself to go visit a girl that i'd only known for a matter of days and in the context of the situation the risk wasn't 
as high as an immigrant trying to make their way from, you know, wherever Uzbekistan to the U.S., you know, and that that obvious risk or across the border, you know, those kinds of risks. But for me as a, you know, the the, the power of vulnerability, Brene Brown, TED, TED Talk, you know, risk, um, the reward that I got from t- making that decision just snowballed this this confidence and, and reinforce the the reward of what you can achieve when you when you're willing to risk your, you know your ego yeah. and your humility and so that's why that's why I see the power of being able to start over uh, as, as such a invigorating experience as opposed to this like daunting and tr- though trust me I do feel that overwhelmed fearing feeling every time I start something new where you're just like how am I like what? Like, especially when you talk to somebody who's really knowledgeable in the subject matter, you know, for me starting out computer science and I talk to other people that are, you know, computer science and they, they they don't know my background, but they can pick up that I'm older than 18. So they probably assume that I'm somebody who's well-versed in computer science and I'm just doing my master's and I have to remind them like, no, 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 I just finished my second semester. (laughs) Like I can barely open up my, my, my laptop without it exploding right now. (laughs) I've just learned that maybe you shouldn't open those emails from those Kenyan, (laughs) like royals. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I tell them and I tell, and I tell people and the, the people that I'm hoping to work around, I, 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 maybe it's not a zero-sum game, but I, but what I'm encountering is a zero-sum game where the people are just so smart and they're, they're so knowledgeable, but yet they've had to sacrifice some level of personal skills to become that knowledgeable. And it makes it really difficult to have conversations with them and especially individuals when they find out of the military and they, they assume that I was like at this high speed where I was on the bin Laden raid and you're like, no man, <laughs> like, no, I just because I was in the military doesn't mean that I can, you know, pick up, like I can like, I can pick a door lock. You're not MacGyver. You, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, and you know, those daily, those daily reminders that I need to give other people that I'm a very, um, a fallible human being. You know, I am, I am, I think, Sisyphus pushing that boulder up that rock ever or pushing that boulder up that mountain every day just waiting for it to come crushing back onto me I'm not pushing it over it because I'm not a god yeah I'm just a dude with really nice hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah dude I, I mean when I see the flow the flow is beautiful oh, look at that hair <laughs> yeah exactly uh, as a man who <laughs> is covering his hair right now because he has terrible hat hair, I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, dude, that's, yeah, it's so important just to be humble, I guess. And I mean, <laughs> as you talk about, your as, hair. I, as I talk about how vain I am. <laughs> no, I mean, like, humble in the fact that yeah. at a new skill, you just have no idea because it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a comfortable from like childhood even Mm -hmm. because there's so much emphasis putting on or put on getting a's all the time Mm -hmm. and i mean i would tell some of my students they would get c's and i'm like yes i'm like that means you know what you don't know you don't know this and they're like mr ward you're freaking me out right now and i'm like i'm so excited you failed that test don't even philosophical but the, the thing is with teaching is you have to give opportunities yeah 
to try again because otherwise it's like, like I remember when I was in school it was like you you didn't learn mitosis for mm-hmm. biology you didn't learn mitosis you got a D or a C moving on like we're moving on to DNA now yeah and it's like well I didn't learn that like now I have no reason to go back and learn it I'm just like oh I guess I'm dumb in mitosis yeah and moving on to the next thing it's kind of I always kind of tell people it's like my uh, nine nine month old is starting to stand up yeah and so I'm like think about it this way because it's about the learning process if the very first time she tries to take a step and she face plants and just like totally biffs it which is going to happen 100 yeah. of the time for every kid yeah. if if at that point we're like you get an f in walking all right moving on moving on to the next <laughs> thing start I'm running like, that's not how real life works for learning like you have to have the opportunity to go back and you're gonna try and try and try again and like mm-hmm. it's the whole like edison light bulb thing yeah. like it took me 99 failures and then i made a light bulb yeah. i'm pretty sure that was the exact quote <laughs> yeah. with the with the with the right tone in his voice i'm sure edison talked like a, this he was a California this surfer. doofus yeah, he yeah. Was definitely a surfer hey man uh bro why are you working <laughs> yeah. to 99 him and tesla him and tesla just going out come at me bro <laughs> <laughs> no the uh yeah yeah, and I think this this subject makes a perfect segue into how we left off last time into the 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 future adventures that I found myself in um, when I when I didn't make it through SEAL training and I was left with and I'm stealing this adage from a recent uh, Glenn Beck interview that I found that I listened to with Krista Tippett. Um, I found myself at a pivot point in life, um, so here I am not and not made it through seal training um and if i if i didn't really touch on it last time not only did i not make it through seal training but i was getting kicked out of the navy because i didn't make it through seal training uh this was 2013 so the budget sequester the this massive budget sequester that had been implemented I think in 2011, you know, when when the nation first became aware of this like debt ceiling and you know government running out of money and government shutdown kind of crisis crisis that was happening, um, this budget sequester was the answer to that. And so, I found myself in a position where I hadn't succeeded in SEAL training, and but I was still indebted to the military. But while I was waiting to be redesignated into any job in the navy like the way it worked was i basically was given this sheet of paper that had five open slots on it and another piece of paper that had like a you know a word cloud of all these different positions in the navy that i could go into and i got to choose what other communities i wanted to try and become you know a a pilot or a a surface warfare officer which is basically the dude who drives the ship you know those kinds of communities but not a seal and I put down, and, and you actually have the choice where you can put down. Just you know, I I, I just want out. Like I want to discharge. Um, I want to separate. I didn't do that, and and there's nothing wrong with people that didn't do that. I, that's it's understandable. But for me, I really staked my redemptive claim to being an officer in the military, even after I failed at SEAL training, and that's and I, I really. You know, 
like romanticize this idea that I was going to be able to have these kinds of conversations with people. And my message was going to be the perseverance through hardship because I, I didn't get the one thing I wanted in life, but I, you know, I sucked it up and I, I, I was the best military officer I still could be. And I was the best, you know, darn like cook officer out there, you know, and, yeah. and I'll, and the day that it stands out forever in my mind was I, it was probably, probably about two months after, you know, I had submitted my application to get redesignated and, uh, I was still having to be, I was still having to report to, uh, Bud's command cause I was still accountable towards them, but I was just in this really nonsensical administrative role. But so I was, I was surrounded by my failure on a daily basis. Every day I had to go in to the training compound and watch my classmates progress through training and come closer and closer to becoming SEALs while I just sat behind a desk, you know, helping, you know, make PowerPoint presentations for my, you know, uh, and and that was my fault. Like I didn't make it. Like if I didn't, you know, again, like I touched on last time, there's no excuses. I didn't make it. It wasn't good enough, but that I was, I was definitely, I was, I was definitely trying to stave off a very depressive state that inevitably came um by trying to find salvation and becoming this this military officer elsewhere so i so the day that i'm speaking of is i went in uh to check into to this to the office uh with with this individual and on his desk were the papers that you know my redesignation papers and he tells me in a very nonchalant way, like, hey, your, you know, your board results are back. And he points to the, the stack of papers, like three papers on the desk. And I'm you know, kind of excited because I knew the day was coming. And so I pick up the papers and I just stand there in front of them. And I'm trying to read through the, the military verbiage, you know, everything. Just get, just get to the point. Just get to the point. <laughs> and I get through there and I see, like, even before I actually read it, I see it, like, separation date, you know, such and such. And I'm like, wait a minute. How do I have a separation date? Like, wait a minute like i'm i still got like three years left I'm like no 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 what do you what do you mean separation date like then it registers like i'm no the navy doesn't want me anymore um you know and i like i said i put down any job that that they would have taken me like wherever you need me send me that i, I just want to stay in and i really had invested in that and so when i saw that i kind of it took me a second and i and i carried about my day the rest of the morning as if, you know, just really trying to, like, interpret, like, wow, that's really happening. Like, that's the reality right now. And it wasn't until later that afternoon when I was back in my apartment and all of my roommates that – so I had two other roommates and we were all in, you know, training together and none of us had made it. And one of them, his name's Aaron, um, he's this, this, this beautiful individual. Uh, anybody that comes across that, – that meets him is just deeply – impacted by his positivity and just his overall presence in life uh, he, he he went to stanford he's actually the reason why i'm on track right now for my computer science degree because he he went to stanford and, and he be, then he became a Rhodes scholar and he, and, and, and he speaks he, he's actually works down in in mexico city right now he speaks fluent spanish the guy can like rip a guitar like john mayer he's just he's just that guy you were like oh really yeah. you're, you're, no, you also do this yeah like <laughs> really like do you like heal people by touching them too and uh you know the story's not about Aaron. as much as i love him it's not about him it's about me it's about me <laughs> <laughs> and so um so i go i go back to my apartment and aaron at this point has already like i said he was a Rhodes scholar so he 
he was set up for success no matter what he did in life. And he was at our kitchen table in his underwear, and not even in his boxers, but in his, his like, whitey-tidy, but, like, uh, magenta-tidy <laughs> <laughs> uh, underwear. And he's, he's coding away, doing, way, doing whatever on his laptop. And, um, and I come in, and I'm in my full khaki uniform. And it's not the full-on Navy dress uniform, but it is a dress uniform. So I'm in my khakis. And I, I come in, and Aaron, is, Aaron knows that it's around this time that I'm, I should be expecting my results. So he's asking me, you know, hey, like, should you get your results back? And I, and I say, yeah. I say, yeah, I got, it, I got it back. And I'm holding the piece of paper. And, and the way Aaron is sitting on the kitchen table is he's facing outwards. You know, he, we're perpendicular. Like, I'm looking at him, but he's looking away. I got a 90-degree angle at his computer screen. And uh, then our other roommate, Charlie, uh, comes out. And, you know, cause he's probably overheard and he wants to know what's happening. And so I put the papers down on the counter and this is when the moment hits me and I start just, you know, kind of lightly tapping the counter, uh, with like my fist, the papers with my fist. And I don't know how to really start the sentence cause I really don't know how to say it. And I just tell Aaron, I said, you know, yeah, like I, yeah, they came back and he says, well, where, where'd you get, where are you going? And I said, I, you know, I ain't get anything, you know, I, I'm getting out. And like as as I'm saying this, you know, my the I'm tapping the counter and, I, and my fist is getting heavier and heavier, and I'm telling Aaron, you know, I'm just basically like just like vomiting these emotions uh, at a very slow pace of just how hurt I am. Um, and I'm saying like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. You know, Navy doesn't want me anymore. I guess I'm getting out. You know, I've got three months left, and and he. You know, like I say, he was, he was multitasking, but he he, can, he draws away from the computer and he, and he looks at me and he says, "What are you gonna do?" And 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 as I'm trying to respond and I'm really just searching for words, my fist is becoming heavier and heavier, and it goes from so it's just light tapping to this adamant like pounding on the counter to where this audible you can hear my fist every single time I'm slamming on the counter, and I look right at him, and I and I start to well up and I say, "I, I don't know what I'm gonna do, man. Like, I don't know." And it, and it was a very desperate answer because I didn't know because I I'd given up potentially everything. You know, that I was like you had all your eggs in that basket. All my eggs in that basket. <laughs> there was no failure. Yeah. You know, I went into that with that mindset. You know, like I would rather die yeah. than than quit. You know, and I prayed to God that I would die rather than quit. And then, you know, it, and it didn't happen. And so when and, and that was the exact position that I was trying to ward off. Why yeah. you know over the other years. And so I so I so here I am and I'm just just slowly like starting to ball my eyes out in my dress uniform just repeating with every time I'm slamming my fist on the countertop I don't know what I'm gonna do man I don't know man I don't know I don't know and and it comes to this point where I'm I'm pretty much sobbing and Aaron what makes him such a beautiful individual without a without a moment of hesitation jumps up from the from the table and just embraces me in this like loving hug and just like just clutches me and it's 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 as if he's trying to wrap my arm his arms around my heart and just like take away the pain and i'm crying i'm crying and then i had this like moment of reality and i realized like this kid's in his underwear <laughs> and I'm getting a yeah yeah, yeah and i'm and i'm like and i'm having this like out of body out of body visualization of this this marine or this navy officer in his khaki uniforms crying onto the the, the shoulder the skin of you know his his basically naked roommate and i'm like maybe this is why the navy's kicking me out <laughs> like, 
yeah and so that's um you know talk about just like needing to reinvent yourself that moment um did it take you a while to figure out how you were going to? Uh, I took a lot of drugs and alcohol. Yeah, I'm to, sure. uh, took a lot of drugs and alcohol and very depressed thoughts. Um, in retrospect, yeah, you know, like what would you have done in it to like? Because you know that's probably not the healthiest way to handle. Well, that's not the health, <laughs> that's, not, that's not the way to handle anything. That's not the <laughs> way to handle anything. But like in retrospect, now looking back and having gone through all the experiences you've gone which is so crazy man that was only in 2013 yeah and so you know it's just still fresh probably yeah like how would you have gone about that differently after i had gotten the news oh just like in general well you don't know what you don't know yeah and i was and still am such a a passionately driven individual that I make decisions that put me on the edge of incredible success or just like such a notorious failure that when one or the other happens, it requires that like severe level of response where I either spiral down in a lifestyle full of prescription drugs and alcohol and running um, to the point to where I'm either coughing up blood or I'm hallucinating because I'm so dehydrated and I'm literally, you know, trying to kill myself through running. Um, And so, or it can be the polar opposite where I'm so passionately driven to succeed that I'm staying up night after night, you know, making sure that I know uh, you know, so that I'm getting the grades that I need to succeed in school or that, that I'm that I'm giving my time physically to a training schedule to prepare myself, you know, for the next step of, you know, either which which eventually became, you know, becoming a Marine infantry officer, which was in its own right, a, a massive struggle. Um, you know, I'll call it what it is. It's not it's not the, it's not the near dangerous level of trying to become a Navy SEAL, but the attrition rate of Marine infantry officers is still somewhere around 50 60 percent as opposed to 80 90 percent yeah and um but yeah it, it it took a lot of uh it took a lot of soul searching guided by the hands of the devil before i realized that i was still a person of worth and someone you know who still had a lot to give in this life uh and i found the vehicle of that service uh in the hands of a of a marine infantry officer yeah and you know i i basically annoyed every individual i could uh, to make that happen and i definitely stepped on some toes and i definitely was in a position of starting over um even though i was by the time i by the time i even just started marine basic training because i I didn't have to recycle all the way through military training, but I had to go the, the way the Marines are trained. I still had to go to a Marine basic level training that lasted about six months before I could go on to becoming or attempting infantry training and then becoming a Marine infantry officer. And so when I found myself in that position to be a Marine, you know, I'd already been in the military for over a year and I was still day one at in Quantico, Virginia. Like trying to figure out what this whole game was, 
like wait wait, wait what's it i remember the first time i heard the acronym ega and i'm like what the fuck is an ega and uh, the person thankfully the person i asked it, asked it to was a very uh, understanding individual and they said it's the eagle globe and anchor they said it's probably the most notorious uh symbol of being a marine you, you need to remember that <laughs> and that was roger got yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that's like the thing you know for the navy it's the anchor you know the anchor with rope around it the ega the eagle globe and anchor a marine that's your very stereotypical marine tattoo you know it's what the sticker you see on all the the big ford f-150 trucks driving on the highway with the american flags flying out the back end to have on there so that was a, a, a huge opportunity for me to humble myself and say i don't know i don't know what's going on like only thing i know how to do is just to suffer yeah um as far as military goes so like but other than that no i don't, I don't know what's going on they're like you're gonna do just fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if anything that like and i knew it going into it you know that there was a the marines in general you know the motto every marine's a rifleman every every marine's a rifleman and and that's why there's like such pushback against or there was and it somewhat still is uh having special special operations or a special forces community in the marines because every marine is special that's what we're taught we're taught that we're all special we're all these brave individuals like what's separate there's a reason why marines don't unless you're a pilot you don't wear your warfare device like so as, as a na- in a navy if as a Navy SEAL, I would wear my Trident. As a pilot, I would wear these pilot wings. If I had, if I was a service warfare officer, if I drove a ship, I would have this metallic, gold, meta- shiny gold metallic device. You would that, have a different one that let the each. world know what yeah. job I did. Gotcha. And it's the same thing in the other branches. You know, there's different designators, but in the Marines, no. Unless unless you're a pilot, no. There's no difference between an infantryman uh, or a public affairs officer. Okay. And um, because that's the idea, the mentality. Everyone, everyone is special. Or, or, you know, we're all Marines. Like, that's what makes us special. Everyone's, like, worthy. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, but my instructor cadre <laughs> definitely thought I was special because they knew my background. And so they definitely wanted to, and it wasn't malicious, uh, but it was, a, you know, all right, like, and, and I deserved it. You know, like I said, I didn't make it through SEAL training. And if I wanted to be a Marine, I would have chosen Marines from the get-go, but I didn't. And so that's how they viewed it and they said all right well, let's see how bad you want to be a marine and there were there were opportunities for them to test my fortitude physically and mentally uh by giving me not an unfair workload but probably the majority of the workload in some situations um because of that background because of that the history that i carried as as the dude who didn't make it through buds um yeah were you still i mean how was the colitis stuff awful. then so awful. if you heard the first podcast, yeah. <laughs> so it's still going on. You still didn't yeah. have it under control necessarily. No, no, it was at this point I'd found momentary relief. Um, every few weeks I would have about a week's worth of like symptoms that weren't as horrendous as they were before. But yeah, still blood, still mucus, still just general desperation in everything I did and um you know still you know paying for Canadian pharmacy medicine online <laughs> trying to get this thing figured out on my own um but it was it was getting better um you know I had, I had found 
oddly enough, that, that physical activity, I, I, if I timed my physical activity around my stressful moments, that helped. So then I would have these peaks during the day of like either depression or anxiety or just pressure to get stuff done. And I would try and time whatever physical activity I needed to do that day around that um, to help, you know, soften the blow. And so uh, I didn't necessarily really get my colitis somewhat into control until I kind of started my infantry officer training. Um, But even then it was still, uh, you know, there's what gets my colitis in control is not one singular thing. It's a mixture of, of medicine and lifestyle and diet. Yeah. And by the time I started my infantry training, I had the medicine right. And when I say lifestyle, I mean like mindset, just like being, you know, like all right, breathe, like don't get stressed out because, you know, there's a, there's a beautiful scientific belief now or theory, however you want to describe it, that, you know, we always know we've always known that a really stressed out person can get ulcers. Like if you're really stressed out, you know, you can upset your GI tract. There's no reason why that can't go the other way. So there's no reason why a really poor diet can't, you know, stress you mentally. And so uh, because of that, there's a lot of literature and a lot of scientific research going into the microbiome environment, the, the gut, you know, yeah. and, and everything. And your so good, your gut bacteria. Yeah, your good gut bacteria. Your good gut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so uh so i took that approach uh you know bringing back the towel poo just to be that uncovered block man winnie the pooh what would he do he'd get his head stuck in a honey pot jar and i know that's it. what one of your tattoos says. <laughs> yeah. you have tattoos and i can't read them but i know one of them says what would winnie the pooh what do? would winnie the pooh do <laughs> and yeah you just get his head stuck in a, in a in a honey jar and just love it yeah and, just embrace like, the chaos the best, man. <laughs> and so so i had I had I had I had great progress in in those realms of lifestyle and medicine, but the one thing I couldn't control was my diet because as Marines we live in the woods, and I'm and I'm proud of that and it's something that's really awesome. Uh, it's read, it's led to some really awesome stories of almost getting trampled by moose in Montana, unfortunately. But I love it. Like uh, you know, just give me a duct tape and a knife and I'm I'm home. Yeah, getting trampled by moose fits right into the theme of this podcast. <laughs> like so, a bigfoot, yeah, like a bigfoot like, moose. <laughs> yeah. So that's later on. And so the um, but yeah, so you know, living in the woods basically, and you just subsist on these MREs, which are meals ready to eat. 30 years after a nuclear apocalypse so they're not <laughs> you know they're not you they're know delicious. organic fair trade they're so good probably. yeah and so those things were just ruined me uh, but i had to eat them you know i couldn't nothing else yeah i mean i tried to it wasn't I, the rules weren't as strict as is in buds where you weren't even allowed to have caffeine but you know you can't go on a three-week field exercise and only have cliff bars like that it just doesn't work <laughs> and so um by the time my infantry officer training started, uh, that was where I was at, where I at least had two of parts of the pyramid or two points in the pyramid kind of under control, but the third one just was out of reach. And, um, yeah, just going through, you know, infantry training with, with that was, and it's, it had its, had its own difficulties. Um, some, some pretty disgusting, some pretty disgusting moments, but, Maybe because I had become desensitized to how disgusting my body was, there was nothing was a surprise. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, taking your taking your clothes off and having to clean up the blood and mucus from throughout the day, 
just kind of became as habitual as cleaning my rifle at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, oh man, we were talking about that while we were running. So I so awful. We got I got the more descriptive ver- descriptive version. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So you made it through that. Yeah. Okay. And then Damn how long? Proud. How long were you a marine for? Damn proud marine. Um, so I I graduated from my infantry officer's course. In September of 2014, I reported to my unit, uh, 2-6, 2nd Battalion, 6th Marines, at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, um, in October, early, uh, beginning of October, and I uh, was there for about seven weeks or so, you know, full-blown Marine infantry officer, taking it on the head, that, that, that grunt that's keeping the wolves at bay for the past 200 years um, for about seven weeks until um, one morning I woke up um, and I actually I was I was uh, all weekend prior to this morning this Monday this, this very infamous you know personally infamous Monday morning now um, I was I had lost sight of the the lifestyle control that I had previously uh for for personal reasons i was under a lot of stress um and the weeks leading up to this monday morning the stress was building and building both personally and professionally because you know as a marine officer you are no joke you get so much responsibility off the bat like you want to be a leader you want to be tested as a leader not even not even the special you know operations or special forces community special warfare community can give you the level of responsibility that a basic marine officer has from the get-go um and so so much stress and uh, a lot of it revolved around a personal relationship that i was in with a girl and also um getting ready for a deployment coming up you know to where i was going to not be going into the Middle East because, you know, but I was, I was going to be, I was going to get as close to combat as you could in in this situation. And so just getting ready for that. And, and now, now I had become the, the true mentality of there are, there are people in the world training to kill me right now. Um, I, I, I don't mean to embellish it or make that like this really dramatic, uh, belief, but that's that's what I told my Marines because I wanted because you know you, you talk about burnout, you know you know you can't you know you got a deployment a year away, it's hard to see the end goal, you know when you're doing just basic stuff to get ready for a deployment, and you kind of have to just like daily find a way to motivate these you know these young kids who don't who can't who can't have the foresight of, of that future, and I would, that's what I would tell them. I said, listen, right now there are people on the other side of this world that are literally dedicating their lives to ending yours. You would better do this right because yeah. I can't guarantee you that the moment will come where you will be pitted against them. But I can guarantee you, it is my sole duty on this earth to make sure that if that moment comes, you are damn well prepared to take that person's life um, so that they don't take yours. And so there's stress that comes with that. And like I said, the personal this relationship that I was in um, was also causing a lot of stress. So anyway, a lot of stress leading up to this this, this very infamous Monday morning and. Uh, the weekend, the three days, two, three days prior to this Monday morning, just full-blown colitis emergency. Like, I'm not even standing up. Like, 
I got up. <laughs> I mustered the uh, the energy, the strength to go get a haircut because you get a haircut every weekend as a Marine. Yeah. Get a fucking haircut every weekend. So I was living in North Carolina at the time, and there was a barber shop half a mile away from where we were living. And I, I got up the strength uh, through like a ridiculous amount of dip because I was also dipping all quite unhealthily at this point. I think I think I threw in like half a lip <laughs> to just get myself off the floor. Yeah. Um, and uh, to to walk down the street to this barbershop to get a haircut for Monday morning. And I remember walking back and like, so the symptoms that when I say these emergency symptoms, I was feeling my colitis, uh, I was, I was so bloated and I was so what I felt constipated that I had my roommate, um, I had my roommate go out and buy literally like every single brand of laxative that there was because I was so convinced that I just needed to take <laughs> this like ferocious poop. Like, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. I'll be good, yeah. man. You, yeah, you know how like you when you're on the trail and you're just like, I just gotta do this, and after that, and after that, I'm light speed. Yeah. So that's what I'm convinced. And, you know, and I don't know better. I don't know better. Yeah. Because because everything because at this point, I'm also like just nothing is coming out of my body anymore and. It, it, I, I was so just so constipated and so desperate for uh, just des- desperate for this relief that I figured let, let, like let, let's attack this from both ends like let's not just only take laxatives let's also go on this like high school two finger diet and basically make myself throw up oh, yeah. like a oh, college yeah. white girl yeah. and so I and I, I, I am making acquaintances with the toilet like every 20 minutes trying to do one or the other over a three-day period. And, and and clearly at this point I'm registering like, okay, something's wrong right now. But I was, um, I was, I was, I was supposed to be going to this wedding uh, a week after, like the next weekend. Um, and I knew that <laughs> like I wasn't going to get my leave, you know, requests approved as the new guy, if I told, you know, basically my, my captain, like, oh, I got a tummy ache today. Like, he's not going to let me leave to go to a wedding, like, three days later if I tell him I can't work today because I got a tummy ache. Because, again, nobody knows. No one understands. Yeah. Well, nobody knows I have colitis. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I haven't told anybody yeah. in, in that realm yet. And so, um, and so the, I spent this entire weekend just, just, trying, just trying to basically evacuate my entire, like, GI tract one way or the other. And, um, in between moments of, of attempting, you know, just emptying my system, I, I'm literally gasping for air as I lay on my, my bedroom floor because I don't even have a bed. Um, that's how like high pressured the job was. Like I didn't even have time to get a fucking bed. I was, I was sleeping on an, an, uh, like an ISO mat, like a, a sleeping camping mattress. That was my bed. So, like, even if my girlfriend would come visit me, like, there's there's no one to say. Like, wait, you get the, I get the floor, you get the, the you, air, you, you know, the, the ice mattress. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, uh, so I, I, I'm spending this entire weekend on my side or on my, on, just laying down. And like I said, every time I turn over, just, just, I just, I just has, to, I just have to like gather this like divine strength just to roll over. And every time I do it feels like in my stomach, you know, just this, this worlds are colliding and I'm, I'm, I'm gasping for air. Like I'm just, I can, I'm actually panting like dog style, you know, open tongue, open mouth, like, like panting for breath. 
and it would take me a few minutes to catch my breath and by that time that happened I would need to roll back over so I'm just just in this torture this rhythm so finally this Monday morning comes and uh, you know gotta go to work and uh, you know I, 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 I'm putting on my clothes as I'm laying down you know I'm not even standing up I'm like <laughs> trying to like gag myself over the toilet I'm you know trying to like you know just just do every doing I, I woke up I woke up an extra hour early just to account for having to like put on my pants and tie my shoes because I knew like how laborious that was going to be and so I, I finally and like at this point <laughs> nothing in your brain's like something is way well, more wrong well so, so that's the thing though so some yeah I, I'm registering like I, I'm registering like this is not right this is not right but like I said I'm supposed to go to this wedding and this wedding meant a lot to me um for for, for very personal reasons uh there was there was an end goal of being at this wedding, um, you know, and seeing my girlfriend again at the time, uh, that that pushed me beyond want, wanting to go to medical, um, and so I, 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 I don't army crawl. I marine crawl, <laughs> so it was a little bit more glorious than an army crawl. I marine crawl. Um, <laughs> thank God my roommates weren't awake. I marine crawl down down the hallway. You know, and in our car, we're we're in North Carolina. We're right on the coastline, so our our house is on stilts. So I, so even though I'm on the bottom floor, I still have to like crawl down the stairs to the garage port. So I crawl down the stairs, <laughs> and I get to the bottom of the stairs, and I finally get on all fours, and I finally just like hoist myself up, and then yeah, I get myself behind a wheel of a car. I just, what was the plan <laughs> when you got to work? Were you like, I'm just gonna one step at a time, out man. of here, dude, dude? One step at a time. <laughs> One step at a time. So I get to so I get to my car, and I've got like a thirty minute commute into work, and I'm thinking like in that thirty minutes, like okay, I just I'll feel but way something better. will happen. <laughs> something will happen. Like maybe sitting upright will be what I need. Something will happen. I'm enjoying how optimistic you are, though. Like honestly, well, I'm I'm it's I wouldn't say I'm optimistic. I'm I'm hope I'm I'm needing it to, gotcha, to be okay. true. Like. Okay. It's like this is the only way. This has to happen. This has to happen because because I have to make it to this wedding. I have to see my girlfriend again. I have to. Um, I'm literally I, I'm dying to see my girlfriend again. And um, and so I get so, so I get to base and I get and and I'm in the parking lot and I'm giving myself this like three minute motivational talk before I go inside before I start the day of like you know basically just don't be a bitch <laughs> like don't let them see you curtain like you know you get yeah, you got this man you got like literally like looking in the mirror don't be a bitch at him <laughs> so I get out of the car and as soon as I try to stand erect and upright just so much pain in my stomach man. just so much it, it feel it feels like two individuals have decided they were gonna see how much like liquid they could wring out of my stomach and just twist it so as, as soon as i stand up i let out this little like squeal like mm, yeah. and and just curl back over and and just and, and clutching my sides and leaning against my car and hoping that nobody else has seen me because i'm in the i'm in the parking lot like there's only like my commanding officer my marine everybody's about to show up so I'm just, I'm stop being a bitch at him so I stand back up and I kind of I get that forty five degree lean in and I find that comfort zone and I walk into uh, to work and I walk in I walk past the you know the second you know uh, first and uh, second platoon desk and everything and I say hi you know I go to my desk and I'm I've got this tunnel vision because I'm seeing my desk and I'm like just get to the desk just get to the desk 
because I'd like just get to the desk and you'll lean on it and you'll be fine and you got support and then you got a chair there and you can just sit down in the chair and you don't have to stand up for another five more minutes and uh so I get to the desk and and instead of you know obviously just like collapsing in the chair like a weakling I um I try to I try to like I, I lean against one edge of the desk and I try to like just shuffle my way around and as I'm doing I'm trying to make that look as casual as possible. I'm casually shuffling myself. Yeah. And so as I get to uh, as I as I and I, what I'm using to make that as casual as I possibly can is these are these papers on my desk for whatever readout whatever reports you know whatever. Marine did something stupid the night before, and I'm trying. I'm trying to read them, and I'm trying to to make sense of what's going on, and you know, and, and these things aren't in any way a legible legible format. Like they're just there's a piece of paper on my desk that were probably upside down, t- turned around, but I'm attempting to you know appro- apply this analytical like look as if I'm you know reading line by line just so I can <laughs> just two more feet until I get to my chair so I can collapse my chair, and I'm sitting in my chair. And my executive officer, my XO, walks by, and he just like looks at me. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, man? And I and I give him this look, you know, just don't worry about it. <laughs> like I'm good, I'm good. And he 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 very seriously just stopped in his tracks, and um, and that moment was like, you know, he like no, you're, something's not right. And uh, because of that moment, you know, I eventually um. And eventually, I'm pretty much immediately like, yeah, you're going to medical. You're going to get checked out. Okay. And I remember when that happened, like this sense of relief, not on my, not from my stomach, but just like on my heart, just like, all right, go to the hospital. And uh, I held out as long as I could. It's no longer in my hands. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ordered to the hospital. Yeah, and your fear of him thinking like, Oh, he has a tummy. Yeah. You're like, no, yeah. he saw me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like there's It's obvious yeah. that I did everything in my power to get in. Yeah. And so um so uh ha- I have this, you know, eighteen, nineteen year old corpsman drive me to the uh, hospital on base. Uh and he and he sticks with me throughout the 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 proce- the check in process and he was in the room with me and um you know, and, and I'm honest with I'm honest with the doctors at this point. I tell them, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the symptoms. I'm feeling these chest pains. I'm short of breath. Uh, you know, all, like everything's going on, and, and I'm waiting until I get one on one with one to tell them because I don't even want the corpsman to hear me. So I'm getting one on one with the doctor just to tell them, hey, listen, I got colitis. Like, just so you, before you give me anything, just know that I got colitis. So whatever medicine might counteract something like that. And so, uh, I, however long goes by, because one of the first things they did was give me a shot of morphine because I was an awful amount of pain. Um, and, uh, so I'm sitting in this, I'm sitting in this hospital room and, um, people coming in and out, you know, getting blood drawn, doing whatever. And, uh, the morphine is, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> just, just so beautiful. I'm, I'm feeling good to go. I'm feeling like, take me back to the yeah, office. Like, can I, like, I'm about to look at the corpsman. Like you guys carry this on you, right? Mm-hmm. All right, good. All I need is a daily dose of coffee and morphine. <laughs> And I, and I got just, this deployment. Just my daily dose of morphine. No <laughs> I got this deal. deployment. It's a new form of bulletproof coffee. <laughs> and so, um, it's Adam Casey coffee. <laughs> and so, um, I'm sitting there, and, and, and I want to say like an hour goes by. And in this time, I'm communicating at least with my mom and my girlfriend at the time. And, I'm told, and I've told, I haven't told my girlfriend because I don't want her to worry about me, but I've told my mom you know, I'm in the hospital, you know, and my mom obviously knows about, you know, my disease and everything. And she's just like, okay, you know, she doesn't really think she's, 
I mean, good on her. She's she's so level-headed. She she wasn't immediately blowing me up like, what's going on? You know, anything like that. She's just, okay. And so, uh, you know, however long goes by, and I'm sitting in the hospital room, and uh, someone new comes in. And again, it's just me and this corpsman. And this lady that comes in, she's wearing a white coat, but she's it, it doesn't it doesn't have she doesn't she doesn't have the the aroma of a of a doctor that I've become used to, and so I kind of am like, well, who the fuck are you? And uh, you know, she comes in and she kind of I don't know why, but she like closes the curtain, uh, and uh, she gives she gives me this really sympathetic like look before she even starts to talk, and it's kind of one of those you're like something's up yeah you're like well, i don't like the way you're looking at me yeah, right now yeah. and so i uh i i braced myself emotionally just like you know before i got my separation orders i knew it was getting separated i knew it was about to come even before i read the line um by her first sentence when she said you know lieutenant casey your initial blood work has come back and it doesn't look normal and i knew just those words blood work doesn't look normal you know, I, I worked for quite a few years in a, in, a, in, a, in a research lab at a medical school before I joined the military. You know, my degree's in biology. You know, I'm not a doctor, but, like, I can, I can put some things together. And so as soon as she said that, I just, you know, I, I, t- I didn't take a breath. I didn't, I didn't take a moment, but I, I, tried to ready the, I tried to ready the guard for what came next. And... Um, and what she said next is obviously something that, you know, I'll, I'll never, I'll never be able to, to move past. And, uh, you know, she, she kept that, like, that very sympathetic look. And she, she sits down on the stool that was, like, right there next to me. And she, she puts her hand on my arm, you know, to comfort me. And she says, uh, Lieutenant Casey, I'm sorry, but you have cancer. And, and, you know, a lot of people describe the moment that they were told they have cancer, whatever, to whatever degree they, they ended up being diagnosed, you know, um, however severe, you know, that's a very pivotal moment. And for me, you know, the, you know, the, the drugs going through, the drugs, the drugs coursing through my system definitely softened the blow, um, but I've always honestly answered when people asked me what that felt like and it just just that was it like I okay that's the answer like that's you know that's just what it is like and and this is this is something that 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 belief system that you know the Taoism you know you know reality is what it is and I think I, I, I wasn't recalling that book in this moment but I think the years that I had spent being a student of that of those teachings had prepared me for that moment for this moment and accepting it like this is this is what it is like there's no there's no other way around it like i'm not gonna i can't i can't make a deal with god right now i can't i can't say like i promise to name my firstborn son i promise i'll never do these things again like i got fucking cancer and uh i got bad cancer like this it's ain't good because not only do I do I know I have cancer, I am also registering like, you know, they're, they're moving with a quickness around me. They're not, you know, th- this isn't something where they're, you know, I, I, I'm I'm here I'm hearing talk, uh, and I'm hearing language being used that's like very foreboding, and uh, and this is not good. And so, 
uh, for the f- for the next 24 hours or so. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, this is in my TEDx talk, but I, I should mention this now. So I, in this in this life changing moment that I've been told that I that I've just been told that I have cancer. Let's not forget that there's this very young Corman in the room with me, who <laughs> who I'm sure was not looking forward to having or was was probably looking forward to a day of having to deal with uh you know maybe you know getting getting you know vaccinations in order or something for the platoon not having to be in the same room as hearing somebody just told he has cancer so i i you know i i whoever this lady was she tells you she i have cancer and then i look at it and i look at the corpsman and i just i just say what? It's not like you have fucking cancer. <laughs> you made that the day so much worse for that guy. Um, because I also I you know because I as soon as as soon as she's to, she's told me this I also like I said my mom knows I'm in the hospital, uh, and so you have the thought of like I yeah my mom. well she tells yeah. me I have cancer and I'm you know and grab my phone to start t- that you know that's what happens like so she tells me i have cancer and i'm reaching for my phone to tell my mom you know to text <laughs> believe it or not i'm about to text my mom that i have cancer by the way and it, and, and it was i I, I get stopped i get stopped by having to tell this corpsman that is that he doesn't have cancer so he doesn't need to worry and uh the i <laughs> so I, I don't text my mom that i tell her that i have cancer but i do end up calling her and i remember you know, she calls. She's she's thinking. You know, hey, whatever. Uh, she you know, she answers like, hey, Adam, what's going uh, on? And I'm just so drugged out. And you know, I'm, the, mor- the morphine, morphine, the morphine. But I'm but I'm telling my mom. I'm telling my mom. I'm saying, hey, yeah, yeah. News came back. You know, they're all talking to me. I don't know. They're saying a lot of stuff. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. They they told me I got cancer. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'll call you back. And I just hit the oh, end button, dude. hang up on my mom. Dude. And my mom just, you know, my mom immediately calls me back and, um, it, you know, requests to speak to somebody of authority. And uh, for the next for the next 24 hours, uh, like I said, there, there's an alacrity with uh, or a speed to the, to the movement of the doctors and the whole staff because initially um, the, un- the unofficial diagnosis was potentially uh, terminal pancreatic cancer. Uh, you know, Steve Jobs style, like <laughs> one of the worst ones. You yeah, they yeah they told my mom. You know, they told my parents. We don't, you know, we don't know what's wrong with him, but you need to be on the first flight out here because we're not sure if you'll ever see your son alive again. And talk about like you know the burden that you know, man, my parents have had to deal with me. You know, <laughs> having to drop everything and catch a flight the whole time just playing those words in your head again like you don't know if you'll ever see your son alive again and obviously probably running a few red lights and you know getting that, getting what they need to to get done to get to me and so uh you know thankfully that wasn't the case but the official diagnosis ends up being the next day i think you know advanced stage four burkitt's non-hodgkin's lymphoma um which is in its own right like it's still not a pretty picture still sounds it sounds scary i don't i mean yeah. i don't have a reference for it but well you know all those words sound terrifying yeah i mean you gotta think like in the hierarchy of cancer diagnosis you know there's you know when they they, they you know they advocate catching it early you know stage one stage yeah. two stage yeah. three you know i was i was advanced 
stage four. Um, there's a, there's a, you know there's a lot of hyperbole in the medical profession that I sometimes don't subscribe to. Like you know if you if you roll an ankle, you know some people will play it out to be like, oh, the doctor told me I shouldn't run on it for three weeks. <laughs> you know, like you rolled an ankle. Just, yeah, you'll be fine. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, but um, you know it, it, they they uh, they said that if I because what because what had happened so the the, the tumors in my body. We're, we're never. It wasn't ever just the single cell or the single mass tumor, single solid tumor that you know they could just surgically remove or something like that. It was all these little tiny tumors um, that just freckled every single organ inside my stomach or my abdomen, and they were all producing this massive amount of cancerous fluid. And it had, and the cancer was in my in my lymph nodes, so it was spreading. So it was in you know my my actual lymph nodes. Like I don't know if you, you know you can pick them out in your groin or whatever in your armpits. These things, looking back at it now, like hey, great indicator that you might have cancer. These things were solid as rocks, like on like I felt like I could break them apart by with my fingers. And so, um, the 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 doctor said that had I waited. Had I gone to sleep that night, I most likely would have died because the, the cancerous fluid, because uh, one of the first things they ended up doing was putting a drain in my lungs, and the cancerous fluid had seeped into my lungs, but also was basically like suffocating me from the inside with the pressure of that fluid, and they'd said if I had gone to sleep that night, I would have, I would have probably died in my sleep. I'm saying I'm like, man, that so would have. I'm like, that would have been a good way to go. Your <laughs> insane attempt to crawl to work actually <laughs> probably saved you, because you, otherwise you would have probably stayed at home, right? Yeah, I yeah. would have. Uh, yeah, I. You, we, there's a lot of what ifs to always play. That's true. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I, you might have eventually just been like, I just need to go to the doctors or something. I could have, you know, yeah, like I maybe later on in that day, you know, I, yeah, there, it's easy to play the what if games and like, like I tried to say before and like I say now, like I try to live this authentic life so that my story reverberates with the magnitude and the power that it does because it's got a lot of truth behind it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done differently. I, I don't want to make it out to be any stronger or weaker than it, than it is or any more, um, like impactful or severe uh, than it is, um, but you, you know, I could I could see that reality that yeah. if I had gone to sleep, that I would have died yes. in my sleep because, like I said, every time I rolled over, I was I was panting and gasping for air, like biting at the air trying to eat it, like just you know, just trying to uh, to make it. Um, to this to this weekend or to the to that week to that wedding so that I could uh so I could see uh, my girlfriend at the time yeah that's so, crazy man yeah. I I don't want to interrupt you or stop you but I think maybe we should put a pen in we've it been there. chopping out it yeah yeah we got my my wife and my little tiny daughter yeah out here and they we're gonna have dinner and stuff yeah. so well there's definitely uh there's definitely there's definitely an uh, you know an uphill part of that story you know i just i just i just definitely pushed everyone 
downhill off a cliff into a ravine there's definitely you know another story to be told of yes a, of a lead rope that that brings me somewhat out so yes. I'm, I'm happy to save that for another time. yes and i think last time we talked about too you did some crazy horse race in mongolia, mongolia. Yeah. so we'll get there but all right man well thank you for uh absolutely for joining us dude and you know we didn't get rained on so absolutely some cars drove by so yeah. i hope like if you're listening to this and you're like it sounds like there's cars driving by it's because there was <laughs> there, <were. laughs> there was and there's birds chirping and stuff so this is an outside podcast it's as fancy as it gets so. Nature. <laughs> we tried to lie in one we tried to be like my podcast studio was in like an airplane and it was super cool and you know we had like martinis and stuff but uh really it's just at my house so, so it's a laptop and two mics hooked up to it so <laughs> good to go all right man we'll, we'll we'll catch up with you again some point next time awesome all right, that wraps up this week's show. Uh, definitely, if you if you enjoyed it, go back and listen to the first episode with Adam uh, if you missed it. And you know, feel free to check out his nonprofit, which is called I Do It For Her, and also his TED Talk, which is titled Why You Should Fall Recklessly in Love. Uh, kind of continues part of the story from there. And of course, we're going to have Adam back on the show at some point. Um, you know, we, ha- we have a good routine going of like, we meet, go for a run, <laughs> and then come over to my house and record the podcast. So yeah, we're definitely gonna, gonna continue it. Uh, like I said, fascinating. Definitely, uh, when we're talking about, you know, having to overcome adversity, I can't think of a better person to share those concepts. And he's so open and so raw that, I mean, I'm, I'm just honored to be able to listen and share his story. Um, for the rest of our podcast, you can find us, you know, wherever, wherever you find podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, all that fun stuff. Um, and definitely tune back in next week uh, because I am about to like completely nerd out. I'm such a big, like, so fascinated by Mount Everest. And next week I talk to two guys 10 days out from their summit of Mount Everest. Uh, John and Andy Anderson, Iowans for Everest. I'm so excited to share that with you guys. So yeah, check back in next week and uh, we'll get back at you then. Have a good week, guys. See ya.